You are listening to the Holy Cannoli Podcast. It's all about making sense of life, who we are, and why we're here. Life is sacred and life is strange. And here's our dad, Tony Gapastone. Hey, Canolios. It is episode 52. I am launching a series of conversations. I am going to do, this is going to be part one of who knows how many. I'm in my Brave Maker office right now, and I was in front of my whiteboard, and I thought, okay, what what do I want to talk about here on the Holy Cannoli podcast? Uh, I am in in another transition or another phase of life where I just entered into a part-time pastor role as I talked about a couple episodes ago with Matt when we were, and this is episode 49, we were talking about joining forces to lead the quest as co-pastors. But I'm still processing. It's been a year and three months since I started Brave Maker and left the full-time world of my 20-year uh, career. And uh, I think I'm still, no, I, I know I'm still having to do much thinking about uh, who I am and why I'm here, the whole reason I started this whole podcast. So I got in front of my whiteboard. I'm like, what could be the title of this series? You know, something about being a pastor. And I love, okay, confessions. People always connect that. It's a little clickbaity, right? You want people to listen. So give them something juicy. So I was writing confessions of a reluctant pastor. And I kind of laughed at myself, like, I'm not really reluctant. I, I like being a pastor. <laughs> I like the the way that that title in my own mind, I can reframe it in a good way and not be uh, a scandalous, cheesy, um, egotistical, power-hungry type of leader. So let's cross that one out. Confessions of a frustrated pastor. Yeah, I do get frustrated for sure. I feel there's so many things wrong about uh, us as uh, pastors or as the church, but I know that can be a little bit negative and I don't need to be slinging um, negativity. Uh, although I want to be real, but I'm still hopeful. So I was like, okay, how about confessions of a hopeful pastor? <laughs> and that just sounded to pat myself on the back. Like, look how hopeful I am. And then I put broken. I love that word. As I talked about a few, episo- few episodes ago, capital OK, broken. I love that word. And capital OK, meaning the OK inside of the B-R-O-K-E-N. Because uh, there is broken parts of life and that type of thing. No, cross that out. Real, eh, overdone, deconstructed, such a buzzy word. So I crossed out that. That word, confessions of a human pastor. I'm like, no, I'm just going to make it confessions of a pastor. It's not all that original. I'm sure this title has been done before. I'm sure there's a book about it if we Google it. But this is my perspective. And... My hope is that uh, this becomes a many-part conversation, and I'll bring people on it, get some conversations going. I'm also reaching out to some friends and saying, hey, do you want to submit some stories uh, that I can either read with names attached or maybe more anonymous is fun? Uh, As you know, I talk about the church a lot, and now that I'm back in the church in an official role, it was a nice year uh, of having no real affiliation with a church. I did a lot of public speaking with churches, but I didn't have a role where I was quote unquote paid or on staff or, uh, anything like that. Um, so which by the way, um, the church I'm working with now, the quest with my good friend, Matt Nightingale is in Nevada, California. So any of you Northern California listeners that want to join is an hour commute for me. It's kind of tough. Uh, I wish it was closer because I'm loving what I'm doing there. I never thought I wanted to go back to work with the church because of all the 
um, sometimes limitations that I feel we have as titled and pastored, uh, titled pastors, titled people with this kind of um, traditional expectations that come with that. But because I'm in a good way, I'm limited as part time. I was like, this is actually really cool. And I got to hand it to the quest. You know, no church is perfect. And maybe we're still in the honeymoon stage. And I'm sure some of our questers will listen to this. I don't want to hold things back. I'm going to share as gracefully and honestly and transparently as I can. But they've given us a lot of freedom, Matt and myself. And we kind of came with some terms saying, hey, this is what we want to do. If you choose to go with us, we're going to try some different things. We're going to experiment. We're going to risk. We're going to even challenge and question the way that we understand what it means to be the church. Do we need to do things that we've always done, like on Sundays? Are there things that just need to die? And, you know, I've been there now two full months, eight Sundays in a row, and there's been some really fun breaths of fresh air. Like, we got to paint the inside of our building, and we made it happen. Fourteen people actually made it happen. We put a date on the calendar, and we came, and we painted, and we removed some things that uh, had been on the walls for ages that had been a little bit... um, old and outdated for some of the new people, we had to look at some of our signage. How does it, how how easy is it for a guest to find our entryway, right? Not easy at all. And I just got to give it to the quest. They've been open. I know there's been some tears and some grieving because they have, we have had to go through, I'm a a we with them now. They've had to go go through some hurt over the past couple of years. There's been some tragedy and some challenge and um, we're moving forward into a new, new story. Um, so all that to say, uh, I'm so grateful that we had the permission and uh, didn't have to wade through committee meetings and wait. Like sometimes to get one, like to get a wall painted in a church culture can take months, not years. So kudos to them. But there's still challenges that we have as a small 60 to 80 person church. So I'll talk a little bit about that here. So for my first episode, I'm going to hit just a couple things. Uh, I... Obviously, I do a lot of thinking, too much thinking, and I'm sometimes too emotional about it and too extreme, and so I'm going to try to be sensitive for my own self, not just for the listeners, because honestly, I don't really think too much about making people mad or what people think, but I, I care about my words because my words do have an impact. And so when I say things that are extreme or that are all or that like there's no caveat to them, I don't think that's helpful. I think that could be harmful because not all churches are like this. So just know that if I ever use a phrase like that, I'm just trying to communicate my experience. And sometimes I can be um, too, too constructive. So I'll try to carefully wade through that. But here's a couple analogies that I was thinking. Confessions of a pastor Uh, you all know this, pastors are human. Pastors are just as prone to doubt and betrayal and uh, annoying people and hurting and causing damage just as anyone else. We definitely put pastors on too much of a pedestal at time. And that's one of the things I'm trying to walk carefully through in this new season of being a pastor is I'm trying to set expectations that we as the church can't rely on two people to do all the work. Uh, It's not the job of the pastor to be at all the events. It's not the job of the pastor to do all things for all people. It can't. Uh, I'm grateful to be a part of a smaller church that's really about 60 to 80 people currently. But even in that context, I was thinking uh, this past Sunday, uh, I get to 
talk to a lot of people on a Sunday, but there's still, I saw someone across the room that I had just seen a couple of days before at one of our other events that we had. And I didn't even get a chance to have a conversation with him, let alone say, hi, I made eye contact with him. Like, Hey, raise my eyebrows. How you doing? But no conversation. And that's a little weird, right? It's a little weird to make sense of, so as a pastor, I almost feel as if I'm supposed to know everybody and everybody should know me. And it's not realistic, nor is it healthy. So wading through that in my own mind, I have to be okay with um, letting people down. And so as a, if you are a person who's a part of a congregation, just know that comes with the territory, right? How many times have you been let down by a partner or a friend or a colleague because they didn't give you ample time that you needed? It's a, it's a real thing. Uh, I'll tell you what, one of the confessions as I process leaving a you know, a 20 year engagement within a church, a lot of my friends were just people that I worked with. So I thought, right. So, you know, you live by people, you see them every day, you see them 50, 60 hours a week, you're engaged in heartfelt, emotional things. Sometimes you're crying and you're laughing together and you're peeing your pants and you're banging the walls and you're doing all these things together that really bond you. And I'm looking for other stories around how pastors who've left church communities, how they've processed it. But now that I'm a year and three months out, you know, someone just asked me, how many people are you still connected with? And it's like, you know, I'm not blaming anyone. I'm putting this on myself too. It's not a lot. It's a very small number, if not like one or two, maybe three. And I really have a lot of sadness around that. A lot of grief. It is, it makes no sense. It's, like some people have died. I don't see them anymore. I don't talk to them anymore. And when I give some thought to it, you know, to be honest and confess, I think, oh, I, I fill in some blanks. People have made certain judgments about me because of, you know, this podcast for one or some of the things I'm doing. Like I had, you know, someone reach out to me really discouraged with my choice to partner with my friend Matt Nightingale as a gay out gay Christian pastor, they thought it was a bad choice for me to align myself uh, with the church of the quest because this is an affirming church that welcomes and includes LGBT people. So I get that. So I start filling in, you know, in my mind, like all these ideas and lies and I have to quickly put that to rest because it could be true or it could not be true. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I have some assumptions, but I need to ask some people if I really care about why I don't hear from them or why we don't connect or why I don't come to my events, whatever. I should ask, right? So that's one thing I need to own. Um, and if I'm, if I'm speaking to any other pastors or leaders out there, uh, the, the brain, the mind can be a very dangerous place. How we think people think about us, ooh, so dangerous. Then we start doing things and saying things, uh, whether it's up front in our messages or uh, in our social media or whatever, we do these kind of passive aggressive things. And I sometimes see other people doing that, and I wonder, hmm, what does that mean? Okay, I just move forward. Then I think, am I doing that? You know, is this episode that? <laughs> it very well could be, like, interpreted in very interesting and not intended ways, someone who's listening to this podcast. Uh, but I'm doing it just because I need to. This is where I am. Uh, you know, I hung out with a friend this past week to process a little bit of these ideas and things and go, you know, there's probably a lot more work that I'm going to have to do. Um, I had, I had a really good friends that were a part of my life. And for one reason or another, we just were not connected anymore. Remember when you were little and there was no Facebook or email 
Uh, some of you don't remember a time like that. But when you moved away from a friend, you had to write on lined paper and stick it in the mail with a stamp. And you were pen pals. I remember having some pen pals. And I remember even in high school when I would go to, when I went to college and I first got email, like it was like this amazing way to stay connected. But there was still those relationships that had to die because we weren't in proximity together. And my understanding is like, that's kind of the same thing today, even though we're so uberly connected through social media, I am aware that there's a, we just can't get around it. There's just a, a reality of when you don't see someone every day, it takes a lot more time and energy to make those connections. But here's another thing that I I feel uh, to confess as a pastor that I think is going to not be such a popular thing to say. The same thing is true of congregation people. The same thing is true if you have been a part of a church and you have left for any reason and you felt connected to your pastor that you might feel let down that your pastor hasn't a reached out to you, that your pastor hasn't sent you an email, that your pastor hasn't followed up with you since you left. And you might wonder, like, I thought I was cared about. I thought I was a member of this congregation. Man, I was in a small group with that pastor. Here's just a confession that I think is really hard for me to say. Um, it's a job. <laughs> it is a job for pastors to care for people. It's a job. They get paid to do it. And so, that's so hard to say. Um, but when you step back and evaluate friendships, whether you're a congregational member or you're a pastor, it can be really blurry. And I can't speak to a ton of it on the other side, but I know as a pastor, I've often wondered, do people see me as their friend or do they see me as their pastor? Do we have a real friendship or am I just there because they need me to care for them? And I remember when I was a college pastor, uh, I was young. I was in my 20s. I was, you know, quote unquote, pastoring people who were just a few years younger than me, but I would sort of take on almost this father role in their life as a pastor. And I would get let down because I would expect sort of reciprocal care from the same people I was supposed to be caring for. And I had like one really good friend, he ended up being my roommate at one point, who we actually transitioned, I think, pretty healthily from pastor and congregant to friends, but it didn't come with a, it came with a lot of bumps in the road. It came with a lot of him saying, actually, I don't feel like I know how to be a friend to you. I don't feel like, you know, I have the same experiences you do or same expectations or, you know, you're always the one initiating prayer. And then I started to feel like, oh, am I just like a snobby, like judgmental, too good, you know, too good for anybody person that feels like I'm untouchable? Like that's another thing I don't want to have. I don't want people to feel like I'm untouchable because I'm just as human and broken and needy as anybody else. So there's just a few of the things I would like to talk about on this uh, series of podcasts. I would like to kind of process uh, people's experiences and expectations because there's a lot of expectations we have. I'd love to talk about like Sunday gatherings. I'd love to talk about what really is helpful and what isn't. I'd love to talk about how do we, how do we be relevant. I'd love to talk about the Bible. Um, I'd love to have some conversations and confessions about my relationship with the Bible. I love the Bible. At the same time, I'm wrestling through it. And some of the things in there I disagree with. Can I say that? <laughs> Confession. Uh, so I'm looking for those types of stories. I'm looking for people who want to engage around there. And I want to ask you and invite you, ask me some questions that I could respond to. I'll bring Wendy on. We'll do some Q&R question and response with her. 
if you would like to be on the podcast and talk about your experience, awkward or otherwise, with churches and with leaders, I'm welcoming that. Please do. And here's just a, a, my last analogy I'll leave before I sign off here is for better or for worse, I was thinking about what it means to be a pastor in this time and culture with the Sundays, uh, youth pastor, youth group expectations, and all the workload on our job descriptions. I was thinking about it in this in this terms. Uh, if you were a parent and ever had to throw a birthday party for your kid, you have to send out invitations, you have to get people to come, you have to have a snack, have a cake, you have to have a theme, you have to give away swag when the, when the people leave, you have to give people a good two-hour experience or give their kids a two-hour experience and put on a, a rah-rah show. Or if you're a wedding planner, when you're helping a couple get married, you have to find a location, get music, make sure everyone has the right outfits, know when to come and what's going to happen. I was relating that to what it feels like sometimes to be a pastor or a youth pastor. It's like every week you have to throw a birthday party or a wedding. It almost feels like there's that much weight sometimes to the work that we put on these traditional roles as pastor or youth pastors. Like you have to create, you have to show up, you have to perform and put on these events. And I wonder how we have created this monster that's become really detrimental, not only to pastors, but to churches as well. How do we strip it down and recognize we're all human beings who just need to care for each other in relationship? So that's the end of Confessions of a Pastor, part one. If you want to participate, shout out some questions. I welcome them. Thanks for listening. Holy Cannoli Podcast is a proud production of Brave Maker Media. For more information or to donate, go to bravemaker.com to make your tax-deductible donation today. Thanks for listening to Holy Cannoli. If you liked my dad's podcast, please subscribe, give it a review, and share it with someone you think would be encouraged by it.